This time on episode 437 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to discuss the 1992 X-Men animated series season four, episodes one through four, as presented on Disney Plus in late July 2022. We're also going to discuss the weekly Marvel Studio news, including all the Marvel Comic Con 2022 news. And as a warning, most, if not all, of the news stories have spoilers, so you have been warned. I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. Now it's time for a scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director S.E. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show that discusses the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes as told on screen, both big and small, by Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Thursday, July 28th, 2022. Happy birthday, Michelle. Thank you. I didn't know if you knew or not. I did. Tell me it was your birthday. Right now to say happy birthday. Thank you. It is my birthday. It is indeed. And we are live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcasting birthday cake wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch it, we love talking about Marvel. Because of ocean physics. If you want to talk to us about ocean physics, you should head on over to our website at legendsofshield.com where there's a bunch of ocean physics-y nerds. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail about how pressure and temperature actually work in the ocean, you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. On the other hand, if you just have a bunch of funny memes about ocean physics, the better place is probably to tag us over on Twitter at Legends of Shield. After watching videos about ocean physics, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek. If YouTube University has made you the most smartest person about ocean physics, come give us all a lesson on the Discord server. That's at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. All right, Michelle, I'm not going to do what bad people might do and ask you how old you are. I'm just going to ask you, have you enjoyed your birthday? I have. I'm probably going to do something more on like the weekend and such. But yeah, it's been. It's been okay. It's a Thursday. So yeah, it's my birthday. You know what we call today and the day of the week at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Podcast night. Yeah, of course. Podcasting night. I'm like, it's the obvious for podcasting. Like what else could it be? Well, now we're podcasting and partying, right, Chris? Hey, we've got our drinks ready. We've got our snacks ready off camera and we have our mute button ready. So you don't hear us chewing because we're not monsters. Indeed. All right. We will have fun throughout the night. And Michelle, you ready for it? Yes, I am. All right. Let's get on to talking about some X-Men. 
previously on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is that what it was, the colony? I never got their names. <laughs> oh, but I'm this age, and I'm like, oh no, you're a child. Longshot's supposed to be so attractive, but he has that horrible mullet. And then I remembered, mullets are back. But if he's reaching his hand out the window randomly, then, oh look, I just caught this kitten that was falling. How lucky. I'm gonna cancel you! Cody was only in the coma for a few months. He comes okay. out of it, Rogue is gone. Rogue ran away. So when he wakes up, she's gone. He's only in the coma with for like three months. But he was in the hospital recovering for a while, right? I will say this would be a perfect story to revisit in X-Men 97. My spouse walked through while I was watching and was like, what's up with that fish axolotl? I was like, it's a spaceship. Don't question it. Haley said that too. It's good to know that Kaylee knows what a fish spaceship looks like. Well, she's definitely the smart person in the house. You didn't think it was me, did you? Oh, no. <laughs> Never. But I do think it's smart that you put together the previously on. So thank you very much for that. Uh, what's not smart is staying up till 1130 to get it done. Well, that's my fault because I didn't get to the file until later. But thank you for putting no, that, that together. That's totally my fault. You can't take the blame on that one. Okay. Well, we have the first four episodes of X-Men, the animated series season four as on Disney plus in, I say late July, 2022, because who knows what it's going to be in the future. But what we have is season four, episode one, the juggernaut returns, which first aired on Fox kids Saturday, May 6th, 1995 season four, episode two, a deal with the devil aired on Fox Kids first Saturday, September 14th, 1996. Rewind the clock a little bit and you have the two-parter of Sanctuary Part 1 and Part 2 coming in as Season 4, Episode 3 and 4. They aired on Saturday, October 21st, 1995 and Saturday, October 28th, 1995. Michelle, what were the IMDb descriptions? The Juggernaut Returns. Juggernaut's life is at risk when someone else uncovers the ruby of Satoric and claims the powers of Juggernaut for himself. A deal with the devil. Omega Red, the destruction machine from the former Soviet Union and a sworn enemy of Wolverine, is thawed and sent two miles beneath the ocean to salvage a disabled toxic nuclear submarine threatening to break up near Hawaii. Sanctuary Part 1 Weary of battling for mutant supremacy, Magneto offers to transport all mutants to an orbiting asteroid named Asteroid M, where they can live peacefully and human-free lives. Sanctuary Part 2. As Magneto plummets helplessly to Earth, Fabian Cortez assumes control of Asteroid M and sends hundreds of missiles towards Earth. Some jammed, action-packed episodes here, in my opinion. Michelle, what's your overall thoughts? missiles all the missiles magneto has some good points missiles and space best x-men episodes ever i had no idea we had so many space shuttles just lying around up in space asteroid m you know going out and disabling nuclear weapons in space yeah i had no idea all that was happening in 1995 or 96 or Heck, I don't know when it was anymore. We'll talk about that later. And I did love Magneto, too. All right, we're going to start 
our main discussion here on Asteroid M. I was so excited when they first actually said the name Asteroid M. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. I can't believe it. So not only did we get Denosa, we got Asteroid M. And Michelle, tell us all about Asteroid M. Asteroid M. Some think it's Magneto, some think it's Matt Mutant, whatever you think the M stands for. I really enjoyed that they included this in the series. It's a known storyline, especially because it really highlights the ideology of Magneto and the ideology of Xavier. I would have liked if they could have built on that a little bit more. Instead, they brought in Fabian Cortez, but that was the decision that they made. In this story, it's the idea of, well, if you don't want us, should we just go live someplace else? When Xavier is, you can't run, we have to make it work here, and besides, you're going to be out in space with weapons, people are going to freak out about that, by the way, man. I think this is a wonderful story and really the first one I think we've gotten here in the cartoon that really shows that Magneto might be an antagonist most of the time, but he's not really a bad guy. Like the entire purpose of his goal is to make sure to let mutants have what's best for them. And yeah, now that I'm saying that, I'm realizing that most of the time that does mean it comes at the detriment to humans. So maybe he's not so much a good guy, but I don't he he wants what's best for his people. He's just willing to go to some extreme lengths to get there. Well, you said some of the, you know what he does is detriment to humans, but what humans have done to mutants are detriments to mutants. It is a fascinating their relationship, Xavier and Magneto's relationship, that is something I was happy to see in the live action movies. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, masterful at that relationship. It's just one of the most fascinating relationships in comics. And also, they took pains on Asteroid M for him not to want to retaliate against humankind as well. He said, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. And that's when Cortez started to take over. Like, this is not what, this is, we need to be mutants and we're best and we're going to kill all humans. So it wasn't Magneto, it was Cortez. And I will say that I think Magneto was trying to act honorably. He was also protective against all mutants too, because they have been persecuted. And he went down the line. I love that testimony. We'll just call it testimony, right? I love that testimony because it was all of what we had seen in the previous three seasons so far. That was humanity against mutants. He's not wrong. And at the same time, he's taking pains not to damage humanity further because he knows in the future that mutants and humanity are going to have to try to coexist. At least that's what he's trying to do. And he's got Xavier there as a mitigating factor as well. So, yeah, I, I would say that. But I could also see him as a villain, too, because, you know, that's the way that they can paint him. In the current comics, I need to read a couple of the current issues a little bit better. But it's basically the same thing. Is He's trying to 
have this kingdom of, of mutants or safe haven for mutants and at the same time away from humanity so that the two can live peacefully, maybe not coexist, but peacefully separately. That's my point on Magneto. And if Lauren were here and she wanted to be here, she couldn't be here because of an injury, but, and she's fine by the way, but uh, she'll hopefully be back next time, but she'd have a lot to say about Magneto as well. I don't want to talk about space. I really want to talk about space, but I will go back to the submarine episode as well. And these episodes are just up my, this is what I like, right? This is excellent. This is uh, like military force and subterfuge and betrayal and all that. This is fantastic. Three episodes that we got here. Although we can't go too much further without acknowledging the fact the reason why we're not talking a lot about the Juggernaut episode is because we've already covered the Juggernaut episode. Thank you, Disney Plus, for reordering everything on us. But we can't leave the Juggernaut episode without what, Michelle? Him driving the little taxi is still one of the funniest things I've seen all year. I rewatched the episode specifically to see that scene. It was like early on in the episode, but I'm like, yeah, this is great. And, you know, putting his arm out to go around the corner and everything. That was fun. Chris, did you watch it again? I did watch it again. We split up the episodes. So it was that and deal with the devil the first night for us. And then the sanctuary ones the second night. And I will admit it, part of why I watched the Juggernaut one again was so that I could watch more than one episode of X-Men, because I didn't have time to watch three, but I refused to split up Sanctuary if I didn't have to. But this episode is just so much fun. Besides the taxi scene, just getting to the end where everybody is, oh, Juggernaut, I want to punch you in the face. And Juggernaut says, "Ah, whatever, I'm just leaving. You guys are fine. I'll get you later. Yeah, doesn't Xavier say something like, yeah, him just leaving this behind is his way of saying thank you? He does. You should really should say thank you with your words and not just your actions, especially because sometimes your actions are what you normally do and people don't understand that you're trying to say thank you. Well, If I have to choose between getting punched in the face by Juggernaut and not getting punched in the face of Juggernaut and just assuming this is how he's saying thank you, I'll choose the second every time. I guess, but I still think I could take the other guy as Juggernaut. Now, is Juggernaut a mutant? No. No. He's just Kane, which is Xavier's half-brother? Right. Yeah. Half Or step-brother, depending on which part of the story you're hearing. I don't know. Well, yeah, in the series, it's presented as stepbrother, and he is not a mutant. It's the mystical Joe. All right. I did like seeing Omega Red again. I thought that was a nice next episode. And of course, you knew you were going to get backstabbed. You know, it never turns out well. First of all, there's a nuclear submarine 100 miles off Hawaii. Okay, that's not going to end well. And second of all, you're going to use a foreign enemy mutant to help you no that's not gonna no that's that'll be fine everything could just be fine we'll just do a suicide squad thing and put something in your head and omega red is just like oh yeah this thing i mean come on 
Also, I wish somebody would just show the man a map and go, the Soviet Union, Union, gone. You don't have anything to protect anymore, man. You can go eat cupcakes and pick up for Shane or whatever. You, the Soviet Union's gone. You're out of a job now. Sorry. Can you imagine how much faster he could get his projects done with all those extra arm things, though? That would be so much fun. I'm really surprised, too. Yeah, same deal. Why doesn't anybody just convince him that the Soviet Union doesn't exist? Russia, at this point, is basically in shambles. He doesn't really have anything to fight for just because everybody is still trying to figure out exactly what and who they are out in the real world there. And all he needs is the same little treatment Captain America got. Just, here's a notebook of everything that you missed. Go check it out. And it's going to be a lot easier for him because it hasn't been as long as Captain America was stuck in the ice. I might be older than you guys, but when I was growing up, there was a bunch of like half-hour sitcoms and stuff, like Gilligan's Island for one. And one of the tropes was you'd always find some old Japanese soldier that doesn't know the war is over yet. The World War II war is over yet, and so ends up coming in and trying to take everybody hostage and stuff like that. This had kind of that sense to me. A relic from a previous time. I'm a little baby. I don't even know if I've ever seen Gilligan's Island. Okay, we'll explore that later because I'm sure you have. But for now, we're going to talk about a statement that Wolverine made. Omega Red as Winnie the Pooh. I submit to you that AC Bradley needs to make that a what if. So Kaylee and I looked at each other when he said that. And it was just an instant, oh snap, because Disney owns all of that now and they can make it happen. Yep. So Omega Red as Winnie the Pooh. Can you just imagine him getting stuck trying to get to the honeypot? Now, I, I'm imagining Winnie the Pooh as Omega Red, and instead of going, where is my mother Russia going, where is my honey? <laughs> Be kind of like a Steve Puff Marshall man. <laughs> Me, honey, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> That'd be great. I uh, might know some artists and we can make that happen. Omega Red's not gone. He's at the bottom of the ocean and entombed in this soviet submarine that's not next to the shelf next to hawaii anymore but is like in the depths of the pacific ocean down like two five miles or something like that kind of like the abyss all right let's move on to the two-parter it was a really well done two-parter i know it was late in season four when it first came out but it was good it was i enjoyed it it was well put together pair of episodes had a good story to it I could see everybody's point. Even Cortez, I could understand the villainy there. He wasn't just a maniac out of nowhere, right? So, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, Chris. What'd you think about it? Cortez's accent was a little bit all over the place, but I think that was more a product of somebody who really pulled off a from Spain Spanish accent and being a Canadian voice actor, which is how most of them were over there. But I mean, again, I just, I come back to the Magneto thing. I think he's going overboard a lot. 
He is taking every mutant he can get his hands on. He is not giving Genosha, for example, a chance to adjust their country to not having mutants. Like, as bad as the Genosha mutant slavery is, you also don't want to set up a country to suddenly have absolutely no economy and no way to produce anything that their people are used to having be produced. Because that is how you have World War start. And we have all seen the history on that. So I think Magneto is a little short-sighted in all of that kind of stuff. He needs to kind of ease his way into it a little bit. But at the same time, he does know that humans are going to attack. That's why he has over 200 missiles sitting on Asteroid M, which is just sitting up there floating in the sky. And I'm not sure the physics in space work like that to have a space city just kind of out in space the way that this one is presented here. I could have gone with space physics, but I decided to go with ocean physics because Juggernaut had the walk across the ocean. Technically, Omega Red should be crushed into the submarine. And Asteroid M actually ends up being dumped into the ocean. So we had a lot of ocean action in these four episodes. You do have a point about Asteroid M. How exactly big was it? How far away was it? Did it have any sort of gravitational effects on Earth? Anyway, with Fabian, we really see how it's like, if you think Magneto's bad, here's Fabian. Not only does he turn on Magneto, he really just ends up going, I want to control the asteroid. I want to be this leader who just gets rid of all the humans and, you know, forget Magneto. It's all me now. He thinks he kills Magneto. And this has the best resurrection, I think, ever with Magneto's atom being nursed by the Earth's magnetosphere back to health. I, I, on so many levels, I love that. From a comic book fan to just being a science nerd, just how ludicrous that is on so many levels, but I love it anyway. Now, SP Science Corner, because I am neither a doctor nor a rocket scientist. How likely is that to actually work? Well, you're talking about mutants with powers, right? So his power is to go after magnetic stuff, right? So his powers are magnetic field. I'm assuming that somehow his residence kept some sort of atmosphere, like some sort of emergency supply of oxygen was in there and that sort of stuff. If not, I have seen in the comics that he goes off into space and he's fine. I don't know how that works. Like he creates a magnetic atmosphere around him with breathable air or something like that. But as far as the Earth's magnetic, the Van Allen radiation belts actually nursing him back to health, it's no more ludicrous than Cortez taking away his powers. It's the same thing. You're gaining energy to try to bring those molecules back together because i think that's what cortez was insinuating is that he's drained him of all his power so his molecules will start to disassociate but i think the radiation belts held him together enough 
to make him actually come together and then come back powerful. I thought that was awesome, an awesome use of, I was like, what, what's going to happen with Magneto? On one hand, I'm like, it sucks that Magneto is taking out of all of these episodes and he's not a primary figure like he is in the movies, so to speak, and the comic books, quite frankly. But he's out there healing and just for him coming back, it was a great surprise. As an adult, I'm like, oh yeah, he's back. And he mentions how he got back is because the radiation belts actually healed him. And it's like, well, screw you, Cortez. You don't know science. So you don't know that you just sent him the one place where he could heal. Because if he was on like the Earth's surface and he got hit with the same energy squeeze from Cortez and he didn't have any radiation around him, he would die. But he's in space with the radiation there. And not only any cosmic radiation, but the concentrated radiation from the Van Allen radiation belt. So, yeah, I loved it. It was great. And this is coming from a rocket scientist. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this more science stuff with mutants. I like it. I like it a lot. As far as the city up there, Osiris Rex, Rex, which is a probe that we sent to the asteroid Bennu to take a sample of, right? And we've taken a sample of it and it's coming back home, but it, the main spacecraft is still orbiting and taking some pictures of it. It's a rocky place, but you could conceivably put a space station on the surface and you'd have a lot less G's, but it could be a livable space. It's being pulled together by a weak gravitational pull just because it's small, but it's still going to, you're still going to have the space station be able to stay on the surface. So what exactly is your concern with that, Chris? Because maybe I can address it better. I think mostly it was the size. It just seemed too small to be stable enough to support all that infrastructure. I don't think it has enough land area available to have a blue area for all that just magical pocket of breathable air. And yeah, it's mostly just you have the city going out into space. It seems like it doesn't really have an atmosphere, and I don't know how that would work. And I guess he would have to rely on hypertonics, you know, growing food in water. And because it's not like you could have fields and fields of food. And it doesn't seem as though Magneto made any sort of trade agreement with any country to have an exchange of goods. Because you got to feed your people. Well, they did set down to a dinner otherwise i would say mutants don't need to eat but yeah they go eat pizza at the mall all the time they had a dinner together with everybody with the astronauts as treasured guests right so yeah yeah shirtless magneto (laughs) (laughs) gotta get it i think the resolution here with cortez being saved by apocalypse was just setting up i mean if this was headed in a certain direction, season three and season four, for a big payoff in season five or season six or something like that, Apocalypse, Thanos, you know, all these big villains getting together, I think this was great with Apocalypse saving Cortez at the end. We're probably going to see him again anyway. I remember, I have not seen this series, so I don't know for sure. But I think this was a good ending. 
I think in a weird way, this reshuffling of episode orders kind of throws things back into question because maybe we already saw the apocalypse that would have been seen again. I mean, we know that's not true because Michelle Smart looked at the schedule, but it could be. I think it is a good placement because I think Apocalypse Apocalypse has got to come back. Apocalypse has been a thorn in their side since season one. Been a good recurring villain. He's scary. The actual comic book and this series version, not the Oscar Isaac. I think even Oscar Isaac wants to forget he was Apocalypse. I think we've mentioned that before. You also had Rogue in her concern over Gambit and Gambit, you know, basically playing the sacrificial hero in the whole thing, but Rogue wanting to come back and save him. Rogue also saved the team in the submarine. So Rogue had a lot of saving moments in these three episodes, at least. And yeah, I kind of enjoyed her saving Gambit specifically because. I mean, the two are kind of an item. I mean, it's more than kind of an item. There was that Gambit and Rogue series that was going for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have some of the books downstairs. But unfortunately, in any of the episodes that we saw, season four, episodes two through four, there was a lack of certain characters, right, Michelle? Yeah, we didn't have Cyclops, Jean Grey, or Jubilee. In any of these episodes, not really. In episodes two through four. I'm just imagining that Cyclops and Jean Grey are off doing things that we don't want to watch because this is a family-friendly show, and that Jubilee got grounded because she was whining about not being able to go on missions. And I know it's a trope, and I don't think they're overusing it, but Storm being in the submarine, she's got the claustrophobia, right? And I think they're dealing with that well. I don't think that they're overplaying it. I mean, it's a thing that comes up quite a bit, but in the situations that the X-Men find themselves in, she's going to find herself in those situations from time to time. I don't think it's an overplayed thing, but I'm glad that they are still addressing it and they haven't forgotten about it. Yeah, if they had forgotten about it, I would have a problem with it. But... They're bringing it up in logical times when it would actually be happening. And especially in a submarine, I would think, and I don't know a lot about ocean physics because I'm also not an ocean scientist, but I'm pretty sure that when the opening to something is on the upside, that water comes down into your vessel. And if I'm claustrophobic, then not only is a submarine really small and tight-spaced, but there should be water coming into there. And we already know there's poisonous air in there that is somehow not leaving the submarine at all because ocean physics, I guess. So you can't breathe. Even if you could breathe, you can't breathe. And something is supposed to be coming into there, which makes you able to not breathe. I am glad that they haven't forgotten it. As far as submarines go, all submarines are constantly sinking. It's a known fact to only those people that know a few things about boats. They leak 
they're always sinking. There's always water intrusion into them. It's being pumped out through sub pumps and stuff like that, bilge pumps, but they are constantly sinking all the time. It's just the way submarines work. And unless you've worked on one or know how submarines work, you don't really realize that. But a submarine is not inherently just self-contained. There's usually and just a normal submarine, not like a, a research bubble or something like that. There's always water intrusion into it. If nothing is done, it will sink. Basically, it'll fill up with water. And the pressure at depth is such that the air would not push the water out. So anyway, I did enjoy these four episodes. Yes, the first one with Juggernaut. I just had fun watching it, really. But the other three were new to me. They were amazing. And I don't know if the series gets better or worse from here, but I did enjoy these three episodes. And we've got a season and a half left, so I'm looking forward to it. Any last thoughts there, Chris? First off, just privately for you, the season gets or the series gets better and worse. So get ready for all of that. But I'm really interested in seeing how these stories flow together now that we're seeing things the way that they should be. And I also really want to see Wolverine dressed up as Batman come back. Yeah, you're right, SP. These were enjoyable. All right. So when we come back in a couple of weeks, we're going to be discussing not X-Men, the animated series, sorry, but we will be discussing She-Hulk episode one. And I can't wait for that. We will return to X-Men, the animated series. Uh, it's unfortunate that we're going to have to take a couple of weeks off, but it's the way things go because of my schedule. But I am amped up for She-Hulk and I'm amped up to come back and watch the rest of X-Men. Hopefully Lauren will be back for us for both. So we'll just see how that goes. In the meantime, we have a ton of San Diego Comic-Con Marvel Studios news to discuss. You two ready to get at it? Yes. Can you ever be ready for this amount of news, though? Of course. First up, we have Black Panther news. At Comic-Con, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, the trailer was released. And in it, you can feel the weight of the loss of Chadwick Boseman. The film does deal with, he dies. Spoiler, they're not trying to like CGI him in or do anything sort of weird. They do have T'Challa dying in the movie. The synopsis is in Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Queen Ramonda, Shuri, M'Baku, Okoyo, and the Dora Milaje fight to protect their nation from intervening world powers in the wake of King T'Challa's death. As the Wakandans strive to embrace their next chapter, the heroes must band together with the help of war dog Nakia and Everett Ross and forge a new path for the kingdom of Wakanda. Introducing Tanakhurta as Namor, king of a hidden undersea nation, the film also stars Dominic Thorne, Michaela Cole, Mabel Kadena, and Alex Lavanali. Black Panther Wakanda Forever arrives in theaters November 11th. I 
definitely did not tear up a little bit watching this trailer. I'm sure that you didn't do that either, and we can hold that secret to ourselves. Despite anything you might have heard me say on this show or in other places, I am excited for this movie. Certain people in the movie, less excited than others, but getting Namor is one step closer to Fantastic Four. And I want to see somebody who can do that right. Dealing, I want to see how Disney deals with T'Challa just not being there. I would have been fine if they recasted him. But I like the direction they're going with this. They're, with their hands kind of being forced in their mind. And I'm just really excited to see what they do. Yeah, I'm excited to see the movie too. I think this is going to have a really good story to it. And that's the whole T'Challa thing. Okay. But the story I think is going to be one of the better stories coming out after Endgame, And that has me excited. And I have no idea exactly what they're going to do by the imagery. It looks like they're going to pay some homages to the actor, but I have no idea exactly how they're going to all pull it off. I mean, it happened. You, you have to deal with it. And I'm glad they're dealing with it head on and taking it as loss, right? And going with that part of the story. We've been incredibly fortunate in the main run in the MCU not to lose pretty much any actor whatsoever until now. And we've lost a few as things progress now. And we're going to continue to lose more. So either you have to recast or you have to go on with the story and make creative choices with the stories as you go forward. Because, you know, the comics are all set as everything exists all the time. There is no movement of time, really, in comics where you still have the same characters. Yeah, you have some that have moved on. You have some people that come in that are playing the character that weren't the original character. I mean, Iron Man is an example, right, with his brother. But for the most part, I think in order to make the MCU work, you're going to have to deal with loss and move forward. The loss of Iron Man, the loss of Captain America. And Chris Evans in social media has been adamant. I am not Captain America anymore. Sam Wilson is. That guy over there. Right. So I think we need to take that to heart and move forward because I don't think Chris would have gotten away with that had not Disney backed him up or Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige. Right. So I think that's what we're going to deal with here. So I am in for watching a really good movie. And I think this is going to be a really good movie. Meanwhile, in slightly less serious news, She Hulk Attorney at Law trailer includes a long internet daredevil appearance. This trailer includes tons of Bruce Banner in his Professor Hulk form, trying to teach his cousin Jennifer Walters, who, if case you've been living under a rock, is being played by Tatiana Maslany, how to channel her She-Hulk strength to be a superhero. But instead, she decides to be a lawyer specializing in cases involving superhumans, which they probably need a lot of help in. The trailer's final seconds seem to confirm something long-rumored about this Disney Plus project, it's going to include the return of Charlie Cox as, wait for it, Daredevil. I can't wait for this show. The trailer just made me want this show more. 
I have high hopes for. She-Hulk's one of my favorite characters. I am trying. And Tatiana Maslany is one of my favorite actors because Orphan Black was amazing. I'm trying to inhale and tamper my expectations to be realistic. But I have to admit they're high. I am just ready for some fourth wall breaking craziness because not only does Deadpool break the fourth wall, Jennifer Walters breaks the fourth wall and there are so many little hijinks we can have and so many more jokes we can have. And the jokes are in character with Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk as well. So, I mean, let's, yes, lawyer stuff is fun because I'm a giant nerd. But I also want to see the fourth wall breaking craziness. I've enjoyed watching the trailer so far. I think this is going to be right up my alley. I, I'm going to enjoy the series kind of in the same genre as as Hawkeye was a little less of Miss Marvel, a little bit more Hawkeye the way that, you know, the, the comedy of the series went right and the action of the series and that sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to it. All three or at least the two previous ones that we've seen good series, in my opinion. But I'm looking forward to this and this type of series as Marvel moves forward. Now, I don't know a lot about She-Hulk because it's just been one of those characters that I just haven't had background in, haven't had a desire to see really until the series came up. But now I have been doing some research into the comics. I'm collecting the current run, which is really fun to read. Then I'm going back and trying to collect other runs, which, of course, because the series is right now a lot of the comics are higher than they used to be in terms of price which i get but i've been collecting them and just enjoying their runs and then also i have an amazon prime membership which means i have comiXology and the comiXology has free readings of as long as you have the amazon account has the amazon prime account has all of the she hulk so far that i've been able to find free to read over there So if you want to do a little research on your own, I'm pretty sure the Marvel app has it. Comixology has it just to get some, you know, background in the character. It's going to make the series really fun. I think, is it going to be a story straight out of the comics? No, I don't think any of the series are being straight out of the comics. I know Ms. Marvel, we got a couple of those marquee scenes out of the comics, but really didn't get an exact one-to-one story out of the comics. I mean, all the background is there, right? characters and the setting and stuff like that but i don't think we got a particular run from start to beginning out of moon knight or miss marvel or any of the comics really we just got the generalities of the story same with she hulk but to me i think i will enjoy the series more because i am doing some of this research will you have to no i think they'll make it so that you can enjoy it no matter what but i think because I podcast on Marvel and don't know anything about She-Hulk. This is just exciting. And it's an exciting time for me. I'm actually doing some research before a series and having some time to do it. So that's been fun to me. I don't know if either of you two have read any She-Hulk comics or not, or if you want to mention anything or check out any of the runs specifically, but there haven't been that many. It's just the current run for me. I'm going to roll with that. All right. Apparently there is some homages to the Avengers disassembled in there. So that is a great series. If you've never read that, I actually went back also and read some of that out of uh, comiXology that I got for free basically. And it was fun to read that. I'd never read it before. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is great. 
The art is great. The story is great. The characters are great across the board. There is a swath of characters in there. So if you've never read Avengers Disassembled, it's a great thing. All right, Michelle, let's move on to the next piece of news. An adorable trailer for I Am Groot has been released, which is a new series debuting in August on Disney+. Plus. I Am Groot consists of five original shorts starring baby Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I Am Groot is just the latest in animated efforts from Marvel Studios, joining What If as the only two cartoon efforts from the outfit to date. Soon they'll be joined by Marvel Zombies, Spider-Man Freshman Year, and X-Men 97. Um, Moon Girl? Is that still a thing that's happening? I want that too. But I'm so excited for Groot. And Groot is the baby Yoda of the MCU and will always be there. And I want to see little baby Groot dancing and going on little adventures and being a potted plant in the D&D campaign while everybody else has to fight a shadow dragon and just hiding there and hoping that his big friend remembers to take him with him when they run away from the shadow dragon. Like what happened exactly to me in our last D&D session. I can't get enough for Groot, so this is going to be fun. Well, what if that really happened, Chris? I would freak out, just like I am freaking out right now, that what if we know that there's a season two? That is not a huge surprise to anybody. But we do already also know that even before season two has any frame seen by the general public, there's already going to be a season three. They revealed that the Emmy-nominated series has been picked up for a third season ahead of its season two premiere. Season two is going to launch in early 2023. Presumably, because this is how time works, season three will come after that. I didn't realize what if is going to be as important as it is. Yeah, even though it seems like what if is important, they've taken pains to say the characters aren't the same, right? With the... Um strange supreme supreme strange it's not the same what if as it was in the movie so i like that they're introducing the concepts in what if but they're not necessarily the real concepts i'm assuming at some point in time it will be all in one but we'll see about that and as far as the series ac bradley amazing in my opinion uh, doing what she's done both with ms marvel and what if and i'm looking forward to the future She tweeted that the studio sent her a bottle of scotch, which quite honestly wasn't that great of a bottle of scotch. I mean, it's drinkable. I would drink it, but it's not like a celebratory bottle of scotch. So I tweeted at her, send me an address, which I can send you a good bottle of scotch. She hasn't got back to me. Go figure. Probably has completely forgotten that I sent the message, but I would want to send her a good celebratory bottle of scotch because that's an amazing achievement. And I can't wait for the future of the series. There was good episodes. There were not some good episodes. We found that most of the episodes were relevant in some way, shape, or form. So I'm guessing she's got a good pulse on what's going on in Marvel Studios. It's happening. Daredevil is coming back. Daredevil Born Again was announced. And the 18 episodes, 18, not 6, not 10, we're getting 18. 18 episode season is set to bow on the streamer Disney Plus in spring of 2024 
as part of the newly detailed Phase 5 of the MCU. Both Charlie Cox and on-screen adversary Vincent D'Onofrio are set to reprise their roles from the Netflix series. I'm so happy for many reasons, but we're getting Charlie Cox, we're getting Vincent D'Onofrio. I really hope that means we're getting a Karen Page, Deborah Ann Wall announcement soon, and of course a Foggy announcement soon, because we need to have the three Musketeers on this Daredevil show. And Marcy. Well, yeah, but that's kind of a given, too. 18 episodes. Do you know what this means? This means we have time to get a long, overarching story. You can drop the Clairmontian plot threads. You can set things up and not touch them for four episodes because it doesn't matter in the little between times, and then you pick it up. You can have your Grant Ward is really working for Hydra moments because you don't have everything so condensed. 18 episodes 18 is such a wonderful number here i love it and they better not treat it like three little mini six episode seasons i'm glad you brought up grant ward because as i was editing the episode the last time we were talking about this you know with the small seasons versus the big seasons you know agents of shield versus miss marvel that was one thing that i wanted to lay out yes it was in season one but it was laid out throughout the entire season and if you got a six-episode season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that reveal wouldn't have meant anything. You wouldn't have had the camaraderie with Agent Ward and the rest of the team that you're like, you're part of the team. We're all together. Yay! And then, boom, I'm the bad guy, right? I'm going to kill you guys, that sort of thing. I just don't think it would have been as effective if it happened in like episode four or five of a six-episode series. So you're right. You will have that. And 18, I don't think is too much. I think 22 to 24, 26 episodes, like we used to get back in the day, you know, Star Trek Next Generation series type. I think that was filler episodes in there. I'm not sure that we're going to have filler episodes because there's so much story to cover. There are so many characters now in the MCU. You can cameo Jessica Jones. You can cameo Luke Cage. You can cameo Misty Knight, right? You can cameo all these people that are already in the Defenders. You can have some echo show up in the middle of things. Just, you know, like a a scene to set up echo and not have it to be the shawarma at the end of the season. So there's tons of stuff that they can do here. I'm really excited for it. You could have Iron Fist get hit by a bus. (laughs) And recast. I was deliberately trying to stay away from Iron Fist, but okay, we can go there. (sighs) Recast him. Anything else to say about Daredevil here? I think 18 episodes is good. Netflix having 13, that was also a good number. So 13 to 18 really allows storytellers to dive in deep and we can get get She-Hulk back again. Who knows? Yeah, or or anybody, right? You Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki. Anybody from the Wanda Vision series can come in, right? I think it's slightly different where they're going versus everybody else, but it's all supposed to be connected, right? So you can have anything. I'm sorry. I'm just seeing Foggy trying to defend Loki in court. That would be awesome. Yes. If anybody could do it, Foggy could. I mean, they make it comedic and everything, but Foggy's, uh, that would be awesome. I hope we get that. 
All right, we're going to move on now to perhaps, in my opinion, the biggest news story because it contains like the vision going forward, not only of the phases, but the things that are going to be in the phases. And they have laid out that roadmap. Could that roadmap change a little bit? Yeah, it could. But I think this is more solidified than we ever had it before. The first thing that was announced is that Phase 4 was going to end with Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That means She-Hulk will be part of Phase 4 and Black Panther will be part of Phase 4. I'm not really sure what Phase 4 really encompasses, right? Maybe we'll get it with Black Panther. Maybe Black Panther will legitimately bring it all together. I don't know. That's why I'm looking forward to this story. I don't know if it's going to stand alone on its own because you have to uh, bring the uh, homage to T'Challa. Or if it's going to be a good bookend for the phase. I don't know. But in either case, it's going to be a good watch, in my opinion. Then phase five is going to start up with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumadia. You're going to get Secret Invasion. You're going to get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which will be the last installment of Guardians of the Galaxy. Everybody says this is it. We're going to move on. Some of the characters can move on. Doesn't mean everybody's going to die. But Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, as we know it, ends with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Echo and Loki Seasons 2 will be next year. The Marvels. I've been reading the comic, The Marvels, by the way, and it's been a fun read. I have a sense that it's going to have nothing to do whatsoever with the movie, but the comic has been a good read so far. Ironheart is going to come on. You guys know I'm excited about that one. Blade. I know everybody's excited for Blade. I'm excited for how they pull off Blade, given the fact that we've already had the series and everything in a former life. Agatha is coming on the Agatha series. Daredevil Born Again. We just talked about that. Captain America New World Order. That's the movie. That's Captain America movie that will be in the summer of 2024. And then phase five will culminate with the Thunderbolts. With Thunderbolt Ross gone now, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I could see I could it's like the Suicide Squad, right? And I could see some characters that we already know in there. And I think they're going to do a good job. And most importantly, in my opinion, they're talked about Phase 6 and the fact that Fantastic Four, the Fantastic Four movie is going to kick off Phase 6. You're going to have the Kang Dynasty in there. You're going to have Avengers Secret Wars in there. There is more to be announced. We all know that there is either a Young Avengers or a Champion series coming up because they have too many of the pieces on the board right now not to do it. That's probably going to be announced in the future. We have a sense that there's going to be somewhere between half a dozen and a dozen franchises and movies and shows all put together that will be announced at D23. I think it was amazing that Marvel Studios came out to San Diego Comic-Con and laid this out, generated excitement there. I know Disney as a company wanted to retain that all within their own like Star Wars Celebration and D23 and uh, investor announcements and stuff like that because they have gotten a lot of press out of that. But I think it was great that they they basically were the king of San Diego Comic-Con coming in and doing all this. I know there was a lot of stuff in San Diego Comic-Con this year, but I think from all the news that I heard out of San Diego Comic-Con, this was the big boy. This was the big one. All of the stuff that you guys already talked about and the phases. I think we're starting to see a plan come together. And 
There are those that have gotten off the MCU train, but if you're still on it, this is a wonderful roadmap forward. And I can't wait to talk about this. You know, guys, this means we have a podcast through November of 2025. I cannot believe they've planned out that far. I mean, it's 2022. It's so odd how long the MCU has been around. If you are a first time listener, thank you very much. Those of you who have been listeners for a while, you know, I'm in education. When new MCU movies came out, I had students go, I had to go back and rewatch all of them because I was too young to remember them the first time out. All of my students now have been born in the 21st century because this is 2022. All of my baby, all of my students post 9-11, they've only been here. They've grown up with Harry Potter and the MCU. Probably when some of these new movies come back, they're going to tell me about how they need to binge the others or which ones they should pay to, you know, they know I'm a geek as well. It's just interesting interacting with these kids that have grown up with this. It's fascinating beyond belief. I barely know what episode I'm going to put out next week. It's amazing to me that Marvel can have things planned out till 2024, especially because I'm still thinking that that's years and years and years and years away because last year was 1998. (laughs) Yeah, we've had future plans before on legends of shield because of marvel studios or marvel entertainment or whatever it was before right and i enjoyed it then i'm enjoying it more now i'm more entrenched into the marvel universe than i had been before because i didn't read any comics like iron man was my first really foyer into okay this is the marvel universe because of the nick fury cameo at the end of the avengers it was like okay what are the avengers sad to say At that late in my life, I had not really read any Marvel comics. So that kind of got me into it. I know it's been Disneyfied. I realize that. But you look at the cast of Ms. Marvel and you see all those kids in there that have grown up watching this stuff. Literally, their entire adult lives that they can remember has been watching this sort of stuff. I would venture to say even like Tom Holland in the Spider-Man movies are pretty much the same, right? And you're just getting such greatness of story given to a new generation and whether or not it continues i don't know i kevin feige's at least put it on a path if kevin feige was hit by a bus right now i think marvel could pull this off through 2025 right now it's only a three-year stretch from now i think they could do that what's i think more important is what's going to happen in phase seven eight and nine because you know what nothing is in there there's no no mutants There's no mutants in here at all. Will mutants come out in phase six? Maybe. But as I said before, I think the saving the mutants for phase seven, eight, nine. I said that, I don't know, a year ago or so, like we were talking about the phases as things were going forward and we were wondering what they were going to do. And just because Kevin Feige had said, I have no idea what I'm going to do with the mutants yet. Not that he doesn't know what mutants are, how to use them for crying out loud. He was really huge in the mutant movies that came out, right? Uh, or he was a member of the production team. So he knows mutants, but I just don't think he knew how he was going to really integrate them in. And then he had all the Inhumans too. So we kind of see where they want to go with that based on Ms. Marvel. We'll see. 
We'll see how this all plays out. We're going to get the mutants. It's a question of when. Are we going to get in phase six or is this a phase seven sort of thing? I don't know. So lots of good stuff coming up. And listener, I would be very interested in what you think is the most exciting thing coming up, both the announcements of the trailers that we've already seen and then the phases that we've seen coming up. And Lauren, I know, is going to have her own opinion on what's going on as well. So hi, Lauren. Uh, We're interested in hearing what you say. But I'm interested in what our listener is saying on any of this stuff. Drop us a note. Send us a tweet. I'll tell you what. We have not had an incredibly amount of activity through our voicemail, but we do have a voicemail that I would love to hear some of your reactions to this phasing stuff. And that's 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. And if you're a new listener to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., you don't know what the bus is. That goes way back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1, I believe Season 2, where they were flying around in the aircraft. That was called the bus. It became Zephyr 1. Once the bus was destroyed, they got a new aircraft. It was called Zephyr 1. But our voicemail goes way back to Season 1 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. You have like a minute, maybe two minutes. I forget what the limit is there. But I would love to hear your voice in what you think of the phasing here. You guys got anything else to say about the news? We went through a lot. I think it's interesting that Riri Williams is going to premiere in Wakanda forever. So we're going to actually get her in Wakanda forever before we get her in Ironheart. That's an interesting story choice, but I could definitely see the team up between Suri and Ironheart. Maybe Riri Williams is from Wakanda. That's a good question. I don't know. I know that Sony has the spider people. Get the spider people back. There is a distinct lack of my girl. Come on. We need to get her in the MCU proper. Yeah, Kevin Feige, he's walking this line of IP ownership, right? And Sony so far has been playing nicely. Sony doesn't have to play nicely at all here. They could take their toys and run home with them anytime. I think they're stupid not to follow the Kevin Feige train here in terms of money and finance because... Everything that Kevin Feige has touched so far when it comes to Spider-Man has turned out great. Everything that Sony has done with the Spider-Universe, with the exception of Into the Spider-Verse, has not been that great. Agree. I'm looking forward to Edge's Spider-Verse. That's going to be fun, too. We haven't even talked about that because that's not a Marvel Studios property. That's Sony. That's coming out soon. There's a comic that's going to come out, I believe, next week. The Edge of Spider-Verse, issue number one. That's on my poll list. I'm looking forward to reading that. Again, when the comic books come out, it's not going to be a reflection of exactly what's going on in the movie, but you get the same universe feel, right? And that's really what I'm going for there is to read that and be excited about that. Yeah, Edge of Spider-Verse. That's from everything I've heard, it's going to be better than the first. And I don't know if that's like raising expectations too high or anything, but if that's true, it's be That'd be the movie of the year. Yeah. I'm just so excited for spider people. Now we know that your number one spider person is ghost spider Gwen Stacy, right? That is a thing that could very possibly be true. Who would be number two? We talking miles Morales. We talking somebody else, Ben Parker. 
Um, let's see who I would want to see here. Miles would be a good choice, but I think him being in the Into the Spider Verse movie, he's had his moment. I want to let this happen in a way that gets some more Spider People in. So let's go Silk. That's what I want to see. Because Silk can also mean that you get Spider Woman, which you can bring both of them in as being friends with Carol Danvers. And there you have your connection to what's already there. We can make it happen. You heard it here first, Kevin Feige. (laughs) I expect no royalties, just a Peach Momoko poster. And that's the unfortunate thing, because any producer or writer can't read any fan mail. They cannot listen to any podcasts, because if they choose our ideas, which haven't been written yet and uh, dated and whatever, and they actually write it into a script, we could pretend I would never do this personally. I wouldn't. I'd be like, they thought what I said was smart. That's great. We could go and sue them and say, we had the idea first, it's on our podcast sort of thing, right? So it's unfortunate that they can't. They have to come up with their own ideas on their own. And then I believe it goes through a legal review of, is this idea out there anywhere else? Because they don't want to be accused of plagiarism or lawsuits and stuff like that. So odds are nothing we say is going to end up on screen. But I love what you're saying, Chris. It really sucks, too, because I would think that what I've said here, I tried to say things on here in a vague and general enough way that if somebody happened to have heard it who works at Marvel, there isn't like a super dedicated story for it. Characters getting together is not a unique idea. They can nope. do that. That being said, I know... It's not just that I know people exist. I can point out some of the people who would say, I thought of that idea and sue because I thought that Spider-Woman and Silk should be in the MCU. And even if Marvel has a slam dunk ace of getting that dismissed, they still have to go through the effort to go through all the legal channels to get it dismissed. Yeah, not to mention Sony. They need some good lawyers over there at Marvel. (laughs) I think they I I venture to say that Disney lawyers are probably the best in the business. Just thinking. Anyway, Michelle, what kind of birthday cake are we getting here? We're going to get chocolate. What kind of chocolate? German chocolate? Are we talking chocolate frosting with the chocolate cake? I'm assuming moist. Of course. Come on. It's going to be a good cake. Yes. With, I like doing chocolate cake with vanilla ice cream. And then you kind of, you, you mix them all together to get like this ice creamy cakey thing going. And yum. Yum indeed. I want to thank our listeners for sticking here with us on Michelle's birthday. Send her a note. I know it's going to be after the fact when you hear this, but send her a note and say happy birthday. She's on Twitter at shell underscore game, a.k.a. shell game. I love it. I think it's a great play on words. And thank you for sticking with us through our talks with X-Men and through our geeking out over the announcements for Marvel Studios at San Diego Comic-Con. We're probably going to do the same thing after D23. if. 
every rumor is correct on that about the announcements anyway. So thank you for that. And if you want to follow me some other place on Twitter, I'm at Stargate Pioneer. I have another show. It's called Better Podcasting Chats with SP. It's an interim show as we wait for Steven to come back to the Better Podcasting main show. But a recent episode I did was with this guy that does this mashup comic book video game podcast, and he has guests on every week. It's a little show called Play Comics. I had the guy on. His name is Waffles. It was a great time. You can catch that over on Better Podcasting Chats with SP. Yes, thank you everyone for listening to us, interacting with us. We always appreciate it. And thank you for the birthday wishes, whether it's today or belated. I will enjoy them. Yes, and on Twitter, I'm Shell underscore Game. And as SP said, I have play comics where you can come hear me. And a lot of times you can hear a guest along with me. And you can tell it's a good show when they talk more than I do because they're excited about things. You can head on over to playcomics.com, where as we're recording this, a secret episode released today, which is the real reason why I was up way too late last night editing this video, so that's why it's not SP's fault, where I talked to Alan Dunford about a wonderful Kickstarter that will have ended by the time you hear this called Pocus Hocus. Please use your magical powers to go back in time and get in on that Kickstarter, although I'm sure Alan will find a way to sell you a copy afterwards if he needs to and if you want to find me on twitter and tell me which cover i should get for edge of spider-verse issue number one you could find me at play comics cast and if you want to talk to us about these events as they are happening live there was a bunch of discussion over on the gonna geek discord server which you can find at gonna geek.com slash discord during San Diego comic-con when all these announcements came out there was somebody that was posting something whether it was Chris Farrell, whether it was Michelle, Chris, I think you posted some stuff. I was just along for the ride because I had other stuff going on, but it was great conversation as it was happening. So the Discord server is where you can always find us. Wow, what a jam-packed episode. I can't wait for She-Hulk next. Until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. See you everybody next time. Bye. 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 Chocolate cake. With sprinkles? Oh, no sprinkles. Fine, then I'll have my own. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunnageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. I've had quite the exciting week. I don't even know where to start. So my lawnmower, I was mowing the lawn a couple days ago, and it had been billowing out smoke, but it was like getting excessive. I'm like, okay, so it's burning oil. And I've been adding oil to it because I know it's been burning oil.
And then all of a sudden I found gas in the oil. You could tell because the oil isn't the same consistency. It gets thinner. It's like, it's like a mixed drink with water in it or something like that. And I'm like, "Eh." okay, that means not only is oil getting up above the piston, but gas is going down below the piston through the rings that are supposed to be holding them on either side. So it's not a blown engine, but it's an engine that you have to completely take apart and then put new rings on and then put it completely back together, which with a lawnmower engine, it's actually not all that difficult. It's time consuming and finding the parts sometimes can be a pain. And then a lot of times it's just easier to put in another motor, but I couldn't find another motor. So I was like, I'm just going to make the jump to an electric lawnmower now. Oh, those are nice. So today I ordered a Toro 60 volt super recycler. It's the one with the headlights. It's the new 2022 version. I ordered an extra battery with it to make sure uh, 7.5 amp hours. So I got two 7.5 amp hour batteries. And I did so because the user experience with the personal pace self-propelling is a lot bigger because I have a gas Toro Super Recycler from 2007 right now. So I'm very familiar with it. And then watching reviews of that versus reviews of anything else like the Ego Mowers, it's like you set a speed and then you press a lever and it just takes off at that speed. I'm like, no, no, I'll go with the Toro. And the Toro has got a nice metal deck on it and everything. So that's why I went Toro. The other reason I went with Toro is they also have some of the highest rated snowblowers using the same batteries. Oh, so I'm like, this makes sense if I'm going to eventually get a cordless snowblower, which I've used a corded snowblower for the last, I don't know, five, six years. It works. That's what I have. I want a cordless one now. So, and maybe I'll have to check into it, but maybe they have heated handles. So I'll have to take a look at that. Ooh. I know. My dad's got one. Fancy. I used my dad's and I was like, oh, I can't go back. I must have one now. I had breakfast for dinner. Oh. I had some waffles. Mm. Not like homemade. I mean, the toaster stuff, but it's still waffles. Oh, yeah. Apparently, my entire family takes its waffles very seriously. We don't do the big waffles. We have to do the small waffles, you know, the small little squares. And finding a waffle maker with small squares is very difficult and an art because sometimes they're just special runs. Sometimes you have to go find a used one. And it's always better to get a square waffle pan than a circle waffle pan. Why is any of this? Personal preference. So you get the square one that, that has the four squares, so you make the waffle and you can divide it easily into four? Either that or it's like a rectangle with four rectangles on it. One of the two. Yeah, we try. I mean, like my whole family on my my parents' side. And then my son-in-law is a big waffle fan. He likes the chocolate chip waffles, but you can't go too excessive because it just becomes too much, right? And my nephew is the same way, loves the chocolate chip waffles. Personally, for years, I liked butter and syrup, but I have changed, even though I still like that, I changed to homemade strawberry jelly. 
Do you do syrup on yours? I do syrup, butter and syrup. Do you put anything in the waffle? Well, I mean, they're pre-made, but do you put anything else on it? No, no, not currently. Every Sunday morning, I used to make waffles for the kids. And I'm thinking about restarting that to see how many kids I can get back on Sunday mornings. Oh, you're a bit of an empty nester, aren't you? Well, no, not really. It's just, it was always, always a great time to talk to them about what was going on in their lives and stuff like that. I realize they're older. I realize things have changed. And I, don't get me wrong. And I realize my son will probably never do it, especially since he's going to be living with my mom who makes waffles. That's nice. Yeah. She's one of those people like, oh, what do you want for breakfast this morning there? Eh? Um, Grandma, can we have waffles? Sure. We can get you some waffles. I now instantly know what your mother's like. She's four foot two and just a spark of life. You know how weird it was to hear y'all talk about waffles and know that you weren't <laughs> talking about me? I know. <laughs> it's kind of rough. And we're out. Good show. Yay. Michelle, I know you don't like surprises, but I hope that was a good one. Yes, it was. Thank you. I didn't know you knew. Did. Part of your president didn't sing to you. <laughs> Well, I'll let you all know how the electric lawnmower goes. Yeah. Fancy, fancy stuff. I mean, I've seen them in the neighborhood as I'm walking Cooper, and they still do make noise because that blade makes a lot of noise. There's no noise from the motor, but that blade makes a lot of noise. I'm not expecting a completely silent experience, but I am expecting not to have to put gas in to turn it on and it for for it to work that's yep. what i'm expecting push the button both things push the button pretty much would omega red be yellow like winnie the pooh i think i'm gonna leave that up to the artist winnie the pooh has the red top so just accentuate that a little bit more right okay all right what if Omega Red as Winnie the Pooh. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.